0: the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 54 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley. Before we get stuck in today's show, just a reminder about this month's special promotion that we've got going with the lovely Emma Notre francesco If you didn't hear her on episode 52, I highly recommend you listen to that episode if you're wanting to learn more about sports journalism. Emma has kindly offered her time if you're interested in pursuing a career in sports media. Um, this month's prize is you get to tailor Emma for a whole day at a racetrack in Australia. Um, that's convenient for you, obviously, where she's going to be working. So head over to iTunes, or now we have all of our iTunes being able to play directly from the website. So you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast, Podcast Bean, sorry, or head over to motivate training.com.au forward slash podcast, and you'll see all the episodes with the links directly to the show. How exciting. And don't forget, we do have an upcoming sponsorship online workshop, which is going to be held November the 2nd day at 10am. So no matter where you are in the world listening to this podcast, as long as it's before November the 2nd and you're interested in getting started with sponsorship, head over to our Facebook page at Motivate Tea. The links are also in today's show notes and to find out more about that online workshop. Now, today's guest is Zane Kelleher. He's an Australian speedway rider from Rockhampton, Queensland. He's also a Motorcycling Australia coach and he's been involved in motorcycling racing for over 18 years. He has qualified to race professionally in Europe in 2020 and he's currently negotiating to secure a contract as well as preparing for a huge summer of racing here in Australia with the Australian Championships in January. Let's welcome Zane to the show. Well, hi, Zane, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: As I said, air, it's taken us a long time to get to this point because I have been following your journey for a long time. Um, and I'm very excited that you finally joined me on today's show. Um, so everyone understands my excitement. Tell um, everyone about your story. How did you get into or become a professional motorsport athlete in, in Speedway um, and starting your career around 15 years ago? Take us from the start.
1: Yeah, um, well, I guess it all started from my family. Um, My dad used to race when he was younger. um, So it was sort of inevitable that I was going to race bikes um, when I was old enough. Yeah. Um, But he he made me do it the hard way. Um, I actually had to ride a unicycle first before I was allowed to have a motorbike. Um, So I'd get out every afternoon and practice on the unicycle until I could master that. And then um, when I was about eight years old, he finally bought me a bike. And that was a motocross bike. And I did that. Um, as a junior for many years, up until I was 16. Um, I definitely wasn't talented, um, wasn't naturally gifted at all. I guess all I had was a bit of athleticism and um, determination. And it wasn't until I turned sort of 16 and went into the senior ranks um, that I thought I can really knuckle down and put in a good effort and um, try and be a professional. Um, So in those first few years, like when I was a teenager, 16, 17, 18, Um, That's when I really started to knuckle down and um, I saw an opportunity, um, started working pretty hard. And then I started doing the national level racing for motocross Mm -hmm. Um, and I I went okay. Um, I was graded to pro, which was pretty good, but I never really got to the level where I wanted to go with motocross. Um, Not sure why, I guess it's harder to be a professional in motocross. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of, only a limited number of guys actually make a living and, and go all the way to Europe or the US and uh, make a career out of it. Um, so I was sort of struggling a little bit when I was racing the MX Nationals. Like I was sort of a top 15 sort of guy. Um, had a top five result in the two-stroke cup. But yeah, never really got to the, to the level I wanted to. Um, I did MX Nationals from 2011 to 2015. Um, so that was a full five seasons. Uh, Then in 2015, I actually uh, went on a trip to Europe um, to watch two of the MXGP rounds in Italy and Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I returned home in July 2015 and we had a big Speedway race in my hometown in Rockhampton. Um, Now, Rockhampton was pretty big for Speedway in the 60s, 70s, 80s. uh, And then it sort of died off for many years um, when I was a kid, really. And then in, um, yeah, as I said, 2015, we had a massive event in in Rockhampton and um, that was really the start of Speedway in our region again and uh, sort of started Explosive Speedway in Queensland as well. It sort of um, blossomed pretty good and a lot of other tracks opened up and a lot of racing was going on in Queensland at that time. Um, And I was actually a starting assistant on the start line that night. Mm -hmm. I was on the infield. I was getting the noise and the adrenaline and the smell and everything. And um, Jason Crump was actually the headline for that event. Um, many people know Jason as a seven-time world champion. Yeah. Um, and he, he won that event and um, blew us all away and just amazed us at how well he could ride a motorbike. And I guess that was the turning point for me. Um, I was struggling with motocross and I just decided, yep, I want to do speedway. And it was it was – pretty crazy at the time because I'd got to a certain level in motocross. I had a great group of sponsors and people behind me and I'd done that for like 15 years or so at the time. Um, so for me to completely give up motocross and do a completely different sport, um, was pretty crazy. But, uh, in the end I've looked back and I'm glad I did it. And, um, yeah, I have no regrets whatsoever. Um, and now so many more opportunities have opened up and, uh, hopefully I can sign the contract for 2020 to be racing overseas and um, yeah, really happy with the choices I've made and how far I've come, I guess.
0: Fantastic. I'm just going to go right back to the beginning. Uh, why did your dad think it was important for you to learn how to ride a unicycle? What, what is the skill set that goes behind embracing that?
1: Um, I guess it's the balance is the main thing. Um, being able to ride a one-wheeled, like a, a unicycle and it sort of translates across to a motorbike um so i think that was the biggest thing but i also think you wanted me to just have those basic skills like um working towards a goal and um working on something until you achieve it to sort of get another result out of it
0: so which is more dangerous speedway or motocross
1: <laughs> uh it's a tricky question actually um <laughs> In motocross, I was having a lot of fractures, a lot of sprains, all those like soft tissue injuries. Yeah. Uh, And my body was really hurting. Like I was in the physio all the time, like repairing minor injuries. And um, my body was like screaming at me to do something. Um, In Speedway, the last four years, I've been pretty good. I haven't had any major injuries. Obviously, we have injuries from time to time, but nothing major. Uh, My body's really repaired itself a lot. Um, little injuries like that are all gone now and I'm really fit and healthy and um, training's going well and everything's good. Um, but I guess with Speedway, we, if we crash, it's normally going to be a big one because we've got a, a, either a concrete wall or a, a big hard wall around the outside. Um, plus the tracks are like hard, like concrete. So um, I don't know, it's 50-50, but from my point of view right now, I've had a lot less injuries uh, in Speedway at the
0: moment. Fingers crossed. Let's keep it that way. Um, so, so you just talked about the physical component of racing a speedway bike. Um, tell us how is it because you're always going to the left, don't you? It's always, it's always for like those that don't know much about speedway racing. Yeah, so it's always so, yeah left. side.
1: Yeah, we as a solo bike rider, uh, we always race counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is completely different to motocross, and that's something that I really didn't expect. Um, Obviously, in motocross, we're racing for 30 minutes uh, for a race. Um, where Speedway, it's like seven one-minute races. So the intensity through the roof. Um, then you've got to back it up and go again. Um, so there's a lot of differences. And then, yeah, obviously, Speedway is a flat track, um, always going to the left. Yeah. Uh, but what people might not realize is we actually turn our handlebars full lock to the right uh, and the back, the back comes out and then that allows us to go to the left. So it's quite tricky.
0: Yeah, so how do you physically train an event like that?
1: Yeah, I um, do a lot of high-intensity interval training. Um, So that for me at the moment is mainly uh, mainly mountain biking and rowing as well as uh, all my um, in-gym stuff. So a lot of bodyweight exercises uh, and gym work tailored around specific um, training for speedway.
0: Awesome. Now, you have recently just won a big event. Uh, Was it held in Rockhampton?
1: Yeah, so that's uh, the Handle by Heroes is what the major event in Rockhampton is.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's in July every year. Um, so as I mentioned before, 2015 was the very first running of that event. Uh, and that was when I was a starting assistant on the start line. Never ridden speedway in my life. Uh, 2018, I come runner up. I was really close to winning that one. Um, and then obviously this year, I wanted to go one better and win that event uh, in front of my home crowd and all my sponsors and family and friends. And I actually had a perfect score. I won all seven races, um, got a 21-point maximum, and, um, yeah, I was champion this year. So four years after I'd sat on the start line as an assistant, I'd gone out and won uh, in front of my home crowd.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Lord well done, Zane. Um, but that's not all you do. Um, yes, you do race at Speedway, but you're very busy. You have your business, z Double Two Developments. Tell us what what is that and how did that all come about as well?
1: Yeah, that started in 2016 um, when I became a Motor socking Australia coach. Um, so I really wanted to be a coach for many years because I really want to help the young kids and um, really be a part of their pro- progression from... Um, beginner to amateur um, and try and get them into professional ranks as well so that was my motivation behind that Um, and then yeah Z22 developments just come about um, as my name for my coaching and that's sort of grown into my apparel um, and all my other things that I work on now like my engine tuning um, and all other aspects um, of my racing and stuff as well.
0: So you've developed a brand.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty cool little name.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a very cool name. But um, did you go out uh, intently to develop a brand or it's just kind of evolved through um, your commitment within the sport?
1: Um, Obviously, I wanted to have a personal branding, which is kind of separate. Um, I have my own racing logo, which is actually a Pentagon um, with Z22 in the middle of it. So that was my personal branding first. Um, And obviously, I... I plan to promote that and that represents me um, across the board. Um, and then the Z22 developments was just an addition to that, I suppose, and it kind of just started as the coaching and then it's um, turned into my apparel and, um, yeah, it's kind of just stuck and that's what people know me as now, I suppose. Z22. Yeah. <laughs> it's, either, it's either Z22 or they just shorten it to z
0: just as said, um, so you don't only uh, do motorsport coaching uh, for upcoming drivers, you've also got a background in engineering, and so that's, I feel it's very important for all the drivers and riders to have a, a career outside of motorsports, uh, also an education outside of just driving or riding. Um, so how's has that helped with your career to date, having that um, background?
1: yeah for sure um, so going back a few years, I actually started as an apprentice uh, when I was fifteen um, so throughout my early teen years was when I was working hard and um, ticking off those boxes for my apprenticeship um, Now that was kind of before I realized that I could be a professional motorbike rider so at the time, I just wanted to get get my apprenticeship out of the way and lock down a solid career um, outside of motorbike racing um, so if it didn't quite work out, then I had something to fall back on. Um, then I was trade qualified by the time I was 19. And then that was sort of the time when I realized, oh, I can, I can have a good crack at this and I can make a, make a career out of motorcycle riding. Um, and it's kind of allowed me to do both um, all the way through. Um, but now I'm in a unique spot where I'm 26 now, um, looking to go overseas. And I've always got something to fall back on now. So if it doesn't work out, I hope it does. But if it doesn't, um, then I can, I can pretty much get a job anywhere in the world with the skills and stuff that I've learned over the last 11 years um, through engineering.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. It's really important, as I said, to hopefully have something to back you up if it doesn't all go to plan.
1: <laughs> For sure.
0: Um, now, you were also... Um, excuse me, um, selected to go to the Australian Institute of Sport uh, for a 10-day training camp back in, I think, like, early 2000s, um, which was fantastic. Uh, yep. Talk us through what did you do there and what did you learn?
1: Um, so that started through Motorcycling Queensland uh, the year before. Um, so I think that was 2010. Um, now, they run an elite training camp every year in December and I'd applied for many years to try and get into that. but. Um, yeah, got knocked back for many years. And then finally in 2010, they accepted me. And um, I really, really learned a lot from that experience. That was a five day course. um, And that was things like everything off-bike, media, sponsorship, nutrition, training, recovery, um, all those types of things. And then I actually um, was awarded a scholarship through motorcycle in Queensland to go to the AIS the following year. Uh, And that was, I think that was a 10 day course um, down in Canberra. And that was like a next level again. So we'd step it up from state level up to the national level and, um, working with all the elite trainers and, uh, people like that at AIS. And that was really good. And again, it was an extension of everything off the track as well as down there. We did, um, a lot of specific training on the bike as well. Um, that was all motocross based, but again, all those things that I learned off the track translate, um, into into Speedway as well because it's all it's all skills business skills marketing uh, media sponsorship it all relates and um, it's all tools and stuff that I use uh, as a athlete
0: yeah and we um, I guess bonded our relationship on LinkedIn uh, many moons ago and so you are predominant on on LinkedIn but I do see that you've got um, social media accounts that will be listed in today's show notes. Um, on every platform do you have a preferred platform or um yeah and what kind of content do you you post being an athlete
1: um i've pretty much got every platform covered um and that was something i learned from my mq um, training camp and the ais um i think my main hub is my website because that that's got all my latest news uh, videos it's got the instagram feed um all my sponsors, all that sort of stuff. So, the main important content goes on the website and then it's distributed out uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, whatever else um, through there. But, like you mentioned, each platform has its own um, audience, I guess you could say. So, LinkedIn's very professional, it's where I um, talk with business people, uh, it's a very professional image. Um, then, you've got a YouTube channel, which is a lot of my video content. Um, that's things like racing. Um, Media videos, sponsorship stuff, all that kind of thing. Um, then you've got things like Instagram, where it's mainly um, photo and video content, and that's a lot of um, a lot of Speedway followers on there, um, friends as well. So um, the other strong one for me is my Facebook page. I get really good engagement on that because mm-hmm. um, Speedway, our Speedway people are really passionate, and they always want to see results and what's going on. Um, so I get a lot of. Uh, yeah, good comments and stuff on the Facebook page and um, always try and make sure I maintain them uh, as quick as possible after a meeting because people want to know what's going on and they want to see how I went and what the results were.
0: And you also have your newsletter as well.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so that, that goes out to a select group. Um, I, I handpick who that goes to. Um, I don't want to have a big, big database that goes to everyone, so that's a specific group of um, people uh, mainly sponsors, industry contacts, um, journalists, um, those sort of people that the emails go to. And that's basically a wrap up uh, from my website, results, and a few pictures and links um, to videos and stuff as well.
0: And do you do all of this all yourself, Zane? All your social media and management things? Or do you
1: have. Yeah. No, I manage it all by myself.
0: Yeah, in this yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh Yeah, I don't have much spare time, but I uh, try and juggle it best I can. It's a lot of the stuff. Um, After a race, I can post, uh, if I've got someone driving with me, I can do all that sort of stuff as we're driving home. Mm -hmm. Um, So try and manage my time the best I can like that.
0: And how do you go about getting sponsorship in Speedway?
1: Um, It's never easy to get sponsorship in anything. Um, But I guess what I've learnt and what my parents have taught me from an early age is um, to look after everyone, um, be professional, don't do anything silly. Look after the people that look after you. Um, and to be honest, that's probably my best advice. Um, I'm really proud to have a lot of long term sponsors on board. Um, I've got one that's over 10 years now. I've had one that was five years last year. Uh, they're with me again this year for six years. And I've just got another one that's gone five years this year as well. Um, a lot of mine are from face to face contact with people. Um, the easiest ones are people that are interested in your sport and follow you and take an interest in motorsports um, because they're already, they're already keen and they already see what effort you're putting in and your results and things like that. But um, that means it's still got to be an ongoing relationship and you've still got to work hard at it um, each year and give them results and value for their money. Um, but I have got some other ones on board where I've just approached a business, um, cold turkey pretty much. They didn't know who I was. And, That's one of my long-term sponsors. I was 20 years old when I first met them, Um, and it's an accounting firm, actually, Shanahan Swarfield Partners. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a meeting with them, and I was a 20-year-old kid dressed up, had my team shirt on, uh, in front of like these grown men in business suits, and um, I was, I was packing it. I was sweating, but (laughs) they they saw, they saw potential in me, I suppose, and um, yeah, they liked what they saw, and. Proud to have them on board for six years now.
0: Fantastic. What did you go into that meeting to say? Did you have it scripted? Did you have a proposal? Um, I think this is one of the biggest um, fears a lot of um, athletes have about going to meet with new prospects. So yeah, can you give us any insight? Did you just kind of wing it? Or did you know what you're gonna say? Or had you previously um, spoken to them about what they were interested in doing? And this was pretty much just to cement the relationship. Yeah, I
1: think initially first it was a phone call um, to see if there was any sort of interest um, in, if they're interested in sponsoring anyone really. Um, and then I sort of told them what, what I was about, what I did, what my plans were. And then I, I took in a folder with results and my proposal and what my plans were and my budget and what things would cost me, um, some pictures and results and all that kind of thing from the past couple of years. Um, and then, yeah, just dress clean and professional. And um, obviously I speak quite well, so I think that helped as well. And um, just went into the room with them, had a meeting and, um, yeah, I guess, like, yeah I, guess, I guess they liked it. And, um, yeah, it's just grown year by year from there.
0: And as you said, you've had a few long-term sponsors, which is fantastic. Do you have any um, secret sauce, I guess, uh, that you can provide as to how you've been able to maintain them for so long?
1: I think good relationships like, um, as you said before, I I keep up to date with the emails, social media. Um, I, I call my sponsors. I talk to them. I visit them. Um, we catch up multiple times throughout the year. We catch up before Christmas. Um, we evaluate things, um, talk about what's working, what, what they want, how they can help me, how I can help them. Um, and I guess I work really hard on all those things to maintain, good relationships with each and every one of them.
0: And so that's like majority of your time during the week?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, in between work and stuff. Like uh, I allocate a lot of time after hours or I might finish work early on a Friday where I'll go and visit sponsors on a Friday afternoon, um, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And just to change the subject, have you ever um, driven a four-wheel car? As <laughs> you like a race car, not like on the road?
1: No, I haven't actually.
0: No. Do you no. follow do you
1: follow any of the um yeah uh only a little bit like um there's that many two wheeled sports that I have to follow that I don't yeah. really have time. So yeah, I follow I follow all the two wheeled sports, like your motocross enduro, uh Moto G P and then Speedway. is massive because um you've got like the Australian stuff, then you've got um, UK, Denmark, Poland, Sweden, and then you've got World Championships. So uh, between the two worlds, stuff it keeps me pretty busy.
0: I love speedmates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's
1: such a great, such a great sport for spectators and entertainment.
0: Yeah, like you said, it's like one minute of action. It's just
1: like- yeah, yeah, and so so much goes on in that one minute.
0: Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about that one minute. What What is your mindset like? Uh, obviously, it's different to coming into an actual race and having prepared, having to have to be prepared. Sorry, for like five to ten minutes, and um, what it's like a one minute burst. You know, you've sit on the line, you're ready to go. Um, yeah, what's your mindset like?
1: Yeah, you've actually got to have a clear head because your heart rate's through the roof, um, and it goes from like resting heartbeat to max heart rate in, like, five seconds. And um, it's, just, it's just full on. So you've really got to have a clear head, um, know, know your approach and your game plan for the race and um, try and execute that one-minute race the best you can without any mistakes because um, one mistake and the competition's going to fly past you and you're not going to win that race.
0: So with Speedway, is it about knowing your other competitors, the other three competitors, one five?
1: Uh, yeah there's four in a race so three competitors
0: yeah or Um, is that the lane that you go off
1: well in a 20 heat format you'll have five different heats so you'll race every gate position once and then you'll double up on one gate so you might have two inside gates or two outside gates for the night Um, so the gates are are mixed up throughout the heats but uh, obviously there is advantages to some gates um, on some tracks uh, but that You've got to sort of watch the track and watch the gates and see what's going on um, so you know how best to approach your start and each race, basically.
0: Is every track the same circumference?
1: No, they're all different. Um, So they'll have a different length, different shape. Um, The straights could be longer, the corners could be tighter. Um, For example, Rockhampton's the biggest track in Australia. Um, It's 440 metres and it's it's a big, big egg-shaped kind of track. Uh, whereas the smallest track would be Undira, which is near Shepparton in Victoria. And it's like, it's like 270 metres and it's, it's straight, it's really long, but its corners are really tight. So um, from one extreme to the other, the tracks are completely different um, and that means different bike setup, different settings, um, different technique on the bike. Um, yeah, it's a completely different way to ride those two tracks.
0: Yeah, I keep telling you to remind me when you're there, so I
1: can
0: yeah. see you. Yeah, I'll be um,
1: <laughs> I'll be in, I'll be racing Shepherdon on the 9th of November.
0: Oh, all right, I'm putting it down. I think I've in sitting, but anyway, oh,
1: yeah.
0: not, not, not. <laughs> Um, so, if someone's looking to get into motorsport Speedway, do you have any words of advice?
1: Um, I think find your local club. Um, get yourself a bike. There's one two fives for the juniors. Uh, that's up to sixteen. I think it is. Um, so the junior classes are the 125s and the 250s. 125s um, are really good development bikes, really safe for young kids, um, but you probably want to get involved with your local club. Um, there's plenty of those around the country. Um, do some coaching with a coach like myself or someone at your local club um, to learn, learn the basics and the safety parts of um, Speedway because it is quite different to normal dirt bikes. Um, actually, you've got all the safety gear. And then, um, yeah, just be prepared to have some fun.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. And how can people follow your journey?
1: Uh, The best place is my website, obviously, uh, and then all my social media as well. Um, Depending on what content you like, if you want videos, then subscribe to my YouTube. Um, Instagram is pretty good. And then, as I said before, the Facebook page um, is really good as well.
0: Awesome. Now you are on a winning streak at the moment. What are the grand plans for 2020?
1: I'm actually heading to Victoria uh, next month. So that starts this weekend. Um, Five races in a row. Um, There's eight international competitors coming over from England, Denmark, Poland and Germany. Um, So those races are going to be pretty tough. Um, But I'm keen keen to see how I go against them guys and hopefully we can get some good results on the board. Um, So that'll that'll keep me busy through to um, mid-December. Then I'll return home for two weeks before Christmas um, and then straight back on the road again for about three weeks uh, from Christmas through to mid-January. That'll be two races in the lead-up to the Australian Championships Mm -hmm. and then five rounds of the Australian Championships uh, from the 3rd of January.
0: Awesome. And then you're hoping to possibly go overseas next year?
1: Yeah, so I'm negotiating with one club at the moment, um, so fingers crossed that we can come to a deal and, um, yeah, I'll be in overseas in Europe somewhere for 2020.
0: Fantastic. Well, we can't wait to hear all about it and definitely I'll be following your journey and hopefully everyone else will get on and support you as well. And to end the show, Zane, do you have any mantras or favourite sayings when it comes to racing or life?
1: Um <laughs> I guess never give up and um, always try your best. Um, you never know who's watching and uh, it's all those things like that define your character that um, may open up opportunities for you later on.
0: I love it. Well, thank you very much, finally, for speaking to me tonight. Um, I do hope to see you in the flesh sometime soon. Um, but if not, all the very best for that coming Australian Championship. And, um, yeah, we'll be following the journey. And we look forward to seeing you overseas in 2020.
1: Awesome. Thanks very much for having me. And um hope you guys got something out of this podcast. And hopefully we can do another one again soon.
0: Yes, next year when you're at the World <laughs> Yeah,
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks very much, Say.
1: Cool. Thank you.